Technology has never been more vital to the success of people and organizations around the globe. And that's where you come in. Welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Mikel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. This week we interview Denise Browning, a Berlin-based iOS developer who decided to pursue her passion for Apple after over 12 years in the SAP ecosystem. She's now a Swift and iOS developer at Cariat, the Volkswagen Group's automotive software development unit. But don't forget to visit mindquest.io slash blog for a new entry in our IT's Who is Who series. This time we look at the role of the IT business analyst. But without further delay, let's welcome Denise. Welcome, Denise. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. You were in SAP for many years. Why the career change? I first started out with in the SAP ecosystem. This is already 13 years ago. And I started like from an SAP customer. Then I had a short stop at the, at the SAP consultant, which was named Athos. And in the end, I ended up at SAP itself. So the, the creator of the SAP software. Um, so the thing was, um, SAP is, is really great to work with. And to be honest, it pays very well to have those skills. Nevertheless, they're really specialized. So it's hard to transfer them to another company. And also, if in terms of resources, um, it's hard. I mean, like blog posts or Stack Overflow. I mean, it's not that filled with that. And after doing um, SAP things for so long, I really wanted to kind of <laughs> break free and diversify my skill set so that I more easily could work like everywhere. And at the end of SAP, so like the last two or three years, I had the chance to get started with iOS development which was really exciting for me. I really loved it. So I'm an Apple fangirl to say. And so writing your own apps for this platform is really cool. And Swift made it a lot easier than Objective-C, which I failed in my private time before. Um, and um, But nevertheless, um, at SAP, we were still using our own frameworks within iOS and stuff like that. So I felt a bit um, caught up, you know, or, or caught inside this ecosystem. And then uh, I had a great opportunity to interview at Volkswagen. And I saw that they are doing pretty standard stuff, so to say. They didn't invent so much stuff for iOS yet. And it was a really good opportunity for me. And I think I joined in December, so a few months in, and I didn't regret it yet. To be honest, it was quite scary to leave my long SAP experience and network behind. But so far, I don't regret it. <laughs> so you basically went from writing code for B2B applications to doing it for the B2C space. What are the biggest changes you have noticed? Um, so one thing is um, with the B2C, it's you're much more closely connected to the customer. And your sprint and your, your task inside the sprint can change very quickly, depending what problems arise or the feedback on the App Store or stuff like that. Also, like for me, you feel more connected in, in in your work. You know, you directly know end users. It's like everybody has got experience with cars, but hardly anyone else has experience with ERP systems. So, what SAP is doing, enterprise resource planning, and the the software at 
VW, also, uh, Volkswagen also has a lot more, more customers. So this is a whole different scaling than at SAP. Some projects are worked on. It's, yeah, it's really exciting. I was exactly looking for this. What's the best career advice that you have ever been given? The best advice was definitely I should network a lot. This really was very important when you're joining a big company like SAP. Um, so there are so many different things which you're dependent on, whether it's, let's say, a cloud platform or the web framework or the um, stuff itself inside SAP. You need to know people. And it helps tremendously if you know the right contact person. And It's also in terms of career things. So SAP, for example, is really big. So you know people from other departments. You can easily get the job at another department just because you know the people. There are also some cool events which SAP had, like code jams where I could be a speaker and stuff like that. So this was a tremendous experience inside the SAP family. And this was the best advice I've ever been given. And my first manager at SAP actively... Um, supported me in those things. So let me travel to conferences and stuff like that and speak there. What would you say was the biggest challenge you faced in your career? Before I was in the IT business, I was a secretary. So I had no formal education in IT. I was coding as a hobby, so to say. And then as a secretary, I used Microsoft Excel a lot and automated this stuff with Visual Basic for Applications. And I decided I want to be a developer. So and then trying to get the right education plus getting your first job if you don't have any experience. This was super, super hard for me. This was the biggest challenge. And only through luck, I knew from a, a professor at my university, they had a job, but it was SAP related, but not developer. I was first a project assistant inside the team. And then I kind of worked my way up to developer. So I had to do other stuff But I knew I had to do this, otherwise I, I won't end up in IT. And in parallel, I also studied communication engineering, so telematics network technology. So I had it on my CV, you know, but you do get those skills only when you work. And getting first job is super hard. Is that something you would recommend to newcomers who are struggling to get into the field, starting with something related and then moving up? Yeah, I think so, especially in a big I mean, in a, in a big company, you could do this, but also in small companies, like where one wears many hats, it's also easier to, to switch stuff or look over the shoulder of other people because it's it's smaller. Yeah, I, I think if you can't get directly a developer job, try to sneak in somewhere and work your way up. Yes. So you were talking right now about smaller companies, but you've obviously been part of a pretty large organizations. What's been your experience at larger companies like? Uh, for me, uh, my developer career really took off in terms of knowledge when I joined SAP. Um, before, I worked in teams, uh, rather small, with one or two developers. And most of the time, they did different things. So I was writing code, but I did not feel that I was, um, how to say, um, get better at it. So I wrote the same things again and again. And as soon as I joined SAP, there are, let's say, eight people working on the same problem together. And a lot of people are smarter than you, obviously. And then it was the first time I ever heard about unit tests, I mean, in action or build processes, <laughs> things like that. You, you don't do this on your own if you've never been exposed to that. So that was tremendously helpful. 
And in a big company, also, if something else interests you, it's easier to, to move uh, to another department. So you don't have to quit your job and look for another job and onboard and everything. So this was really a great experience. I mean, big companies sometimes move slow, can be frustrating in all the processes, but you learn a lot. Definitely. Thank you, Denise, and until next time. And now, let's take a look at the week in tech news. <laughs> The AI hype is so strong, we often forget that artificial intelligence is already an integral part of our everyday lives. For starters, AI played a key role in the development of COVID-19 vaccines. But there are many other, less conspicuous ways we benefit from it directly. From anti-spam filters to fraud detection for your banking account, silent, tiny AI helpers accompany us throughout the day without not necessarily being noticed. Whether it is by dimming our phone screen brightness or suggesting sentences we tend to use, low-level AI tools do exactly what the best kind of technology does. Help out without being noticed. But not everything's about the little things. Other common applications have great positive effects on society. Take, for example, smart city traffic management or energy grid optimization. But moving on to other news, for all its innovation potential, the technology industry still has an over-reliance on Moore's law, by which the number of transistors in a computer chip tends to double in number and halve in size every two years. Unfortunately, recent years have seen this rule of thumb falter, with chip manufacturers struggling to keep the good ratio going. But IBM has announced this week a significant breakthrough in the way computer processors are made. The company created a new chip it claims can boost performance by 45% over current chips, while cutting down energy consumption by 75%. And finally, making sure that evolving cloud environments remain protected against malware is becoming increasingly difficult in a new world where multi-cloud is the new norm, and a single weakness can compromise an entire network. As if human fallibility and the cloud's sheer size were not enough, attackers are using increasingly sophisticated methods of bypassing traditional security measures and protocols. But malware is only valuable until it's detected, as its signature can then be traced by other scanning tools. Yet scanning an entire cloud ecosystem for irregularities still involves too much complexity and resources. A research initiative by Microsoft, called Project Freda, proposes a novel approach a cloud-centric in-memory scanning system that focuses on virtual machine instances to deliver scalable protection. And that's all for this week. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening and until next time.